Welcome into More Than Medicine. I'm Hannah Miller, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson. And this week, we have my mom with us. She kind of pops onto the show with us here and there. And mom is here with us because it's February, and big surprise, the month of love. So a big surprise. We're going to be talking about marriage today, specifically longevity in marriage and how how do some marriages seem to last and others just don't and talk about some of the statistics that are out there and uh, you know one of my favorite when I think about marriages that have lasted for a long time the the very first marriage I think of is my grandparents mom and dad's parents were married 67 years until the day he he passed they were incredibly affectionate and loving I mean you know I remember all of my growing up years and especially now that I'm an adult and watch them interact together um, their genuine affection and tenderness for one another was always very heartwarming and very special to see after 67 years. You kind of have to look at their marriage and wonder for yourself, how, how does this, how do two people who are not, who are very imperfect get to s- spend 67 years together and get to the other side of that with such joy and affection for one another. Yeah, and and you look at the the rest of the world, knowing that when p- people marry today, in seven years, almost forty percent of marriages end up in divorce, and that's so discouraging. And I have patients that come into my office who've been married for fifty years some as long as 60 years, and I I cannot help but rejoice with them and congratulate them for their ability to endure all the trouble, the trials, the sicknesses, the heartaches, the disappointments that come along the journey, and yet they're still married, and, and when they're married 50 years, most of them are very happily married. Mm-hmm. If they're still together at the right. end of that many right. years. And uh, I had a pastor and his wife in my office uh, this last week. They ran off to get married when he was 17 and she was 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to sneak around for three days before the uh, her father found out. He was an <laughs> ex-military man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but they were so happy together and they were so much fun together. And I just couldn't help but rejoice with them over the fact that they, I think, were married 54 years uh, uh, this this last year. And, you know, so it's, it's just an, you know, an exciting thing to rejoice with people who've been married for 50-plus years or, or even as my wife and I have been married for 38 years now. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I... I tell my wife all the time, I hate to leave her in the morning and I can't wait to get home to her in the afternoons because I miss her when I'm gone. Well, what do you what do you guys think as two people? As you just said, you've been married for, was it 38 years, you said? Yes, sir. Uh, 38 years you guys have been married. It changes every year, guys. Sorry, it's hard to keep up. Uh, but how how does... How do people maintain? How do they maintain their marriages? And how do you reach longevity in marriage? What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I think that as a Christian, I have some thoughts on that. 
my mom and dad were believers. They both loved Jesus. And I think I can say for them that they wanted to honor the Lord with their marriage. And then they also had a level of commitment to one another where divorce was an option was not an option and giving up on their marriage was not an option. Robert and I decided early on in our marriage that no matter how bad things got, divorce was never going to be an option. We would be committed and we would make it through. But I to the end, but um, to the end of our lives. But I, I think that something that has hit me in the, in the last 10 years is this idea that my marriage, and we've understood this from the day we were married and before because we had a speaker, a pastor to speak to this issue on our wedding day. And that is that our marriage is a reflection of the union between Jesus and his bride. And I did not want anything to happen that would tarnish that picture. Now I'm sure that our children have seen some bad days and maybe others have had a a view, picture of something that we have portrayed poorly. But I think in general, we have done our best to reflect the picture of how much Jesus loves his bride. And and I do not want to taint the name of Jesus That's right. by walking away from Robert on his worst day or um, acting poorly myself. I want our marriage to honor the Lord Jesus' name and represent him faithfully to a lost world. Now, have we done that perfectly? Of course not. But that has been our goal, and we want to see that through. Let me, let me just share an illustration. Just, just a few months ago, I had a, a young man in my office who's a patient of mine, and he and his wife were having some struggles, and he very bluntly told me that he was thinking about leaving his wife. And and I knew that he was a, a Christian young man, and I knew that his wife was a Christian. I had talked with both of them separately, and they had told me their testimony of faith in Christ. And, and I just looked at him and very honestly said to him, no, you can't do that. And he says, why? And I said, well, it's because it would hurt the story of your life. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, think about it. I said, your marriage is a story. Your marriage portrays a picture. And he said, Doc, whatever in the world are you talking about? And I said, I won't call his name, but I said to him, I said, your marriage is a picture of that mystical union between Jesus and His bride, the church. And you don't want to paint a picture that's not true. I said, Jesus would never leave that's right. His bride. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.5, Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says that no man will pluck you out of my hand. In other words, Jesus is always faithful 
to you and me. It doesn't matter how bad we are, how much we disappoint Him, how much we cheat on Him. It doesn't matter how much we go a-whoring after other gods. Jesus always loves us and He always takes us back because we are the bride of Christ. We are the church. And He will never, ever leave us. He'll never divorce us. And I said to Him, your marriage is a picture of that union between Jesus and His bride. And I said, if you were to leave your wife, you would be telling a lie. To the extent that your wife and yourself live together in harmony, then you're painting an accurate picture of that mystical union between Jesus and His bride because Jesus lives in unity with His bride. To the extent that you and your wife live together in oneness, you're painting a true picture of that mystical union between Jesus and His bride. And I said, brother, if you leave your wife, then you're telling the whole world a lie. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to be deceptive. You don't want to speak an untruth with the story of your marriage. Well, he stared at me for a long time, and he said, I think I understand. And I said, well, I'm going to tell this same thing to your wife when she comes to see me next. Do you think you can explain it to her? He said, I think I can, but I'm not sure I want to. (laughs) And I said, well, you better explain it the best you can, because I certainly am going to tell her. Well, sure enough, she came to see me about two weeks later, and I explained the same thing to her. And I asked her, I said, did your husband explain this to you? And he, she said, he tried, but he didn't do as good a job as you did. And I said, well, I don't expect him to do it as well as I did, because I've been thinking about it for a lot more years than he has. Mm-hmm. But do you understand? And she said, I think I understand. And I said, well... It's important for the both of you to understand that your marriage has cosmic implications. She said, what does that mean? I said, the angels in heaven are watching how the two of you live out your marriage on the stage of your life. All of your friends and neighbors and co-workers and family members are watching how you live out your marriage on the stage of your life. And if you live together in harmony and in unity and in oneness, then you are painting a true picture of the unity between Jesus and His bride. But if you divorce, if you cannot live together in harmony and oneness, then you are painting a false picture and you're telling a lie. And as Christian people, you simply cannot do that. Well, she left me. And I saw the both, well, I'm sorry, I saw him in the hospital about two months later. And I asked him, how is y'all's marriage going? And he looked at me with a big smile and he said, Doc, we're really doing good. And I want to thank you for that talk you had with the both of us. It really changed both of our way of thinking about our marriage. And I said, well, 
are things really good or are you still struggling? He said, no, we're still struggling, but we've come a long way. And it's simply because of the way you helped us look differently at our marriage. And so I say all of that so that our listening audience will understand that longevity in marriage has a lot to do with how we view the big picture of marriage. Marriage is a, is a social contract between two people, but it does have cosmic implications. Our marriage does paint a picture, and it's much bigger than just the two of us. And it's much bigger than just our happiness. My patients are forever saying to me, well, Doc, I'm just not happy in this marriage. And I'm saying that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Your happiness is not the only goal in this marriage. Your, the, the holiness of your life mm -hmm. is what's important. And God has called you and me to be holy, not necessarily happy. But when you and I pursue holiness, happiness often follows. And I'm challenging you to live holy. And I'm challenging you to live at, in oneness with your partner so that you don't bring shame on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk to couples who are separated on the brink of divorce, we always encourage them, if, you, if they're believers and they love Jesus, then consider Jesus' reputation. Consider the cosmic effect that a divorce has. And if I'm talking to the wife, I tell her, do all you can to be Jesus to your husband. And you know that you have kept your conscience clean. That's right. And you've done what you can do. It's in his hands. Um, but I love Jesus, and I decided that I wanted to be Jesus to Robert, and I, I just don't want to hurt Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to hurt his reputation. I don't want to tarnish the name of Jesus, and I will choose to do right. You don't want to hurt Robert either. No, and it's been easy. <laughs> it's been easy to love you. It's been easy to love you, but the bottom line is I love Jesus more. Uh -huh. But Jesus wants us to stay married, and He wants us to love each other and um, be a role model for our children. And yeah, I think one of the things that you guys often say is, uh, "Who's the Who's the enemy in your marriage?" Well, that has probably been one of the other big things to help us look, have longevity. We went to a marriage conference. Robert went to it before we were even married because he was part of the pilot program out in Colorado, Camps Crusade began this program, A Weekend to Remember, by Dennis and, Bar Bar Dennis and Barbara Rainey ended up heading it up, and under the, another title called Family Life Conference. And so we went to that conference probably the second and third and fourth years we were married, and one of my big takeaways from that conference that has stuck with me all of these years is I do love Jesus, but Satan is also my enemy. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to destroy our marriage, and he will try to do it any way he can. And he has. He's tried. He has done his dead-level best. But I just tell him to get behind me, 
and to leave me alone and to leave our marriage alone. If you'll remember, God created marriage in Genesis chapter 2, and in Genesis chapter 3, Satan came after it. When he tempted Eve, and Eve gave the fruit to Adam, and then there were the curses after that. But I just have remembered that I didn't want Satan to win, and I just decided to die to self or do whatever I had to do to keep Satan from winning. Well, and I think a big a part of that too is recognizing that it's not your spouse that's the enemy. That's it's, um, yeah. yeah, it's you I know, didn't and that's the that. yeah, and that, that's where you were so going. Robert is not the enemy. My children are not the enemy. Other people are not the enemy. It's Satan, and he he may say something that through Robert that maybe I wouldn't <laughs> want to listen to or hear, yeah. or, or he might do something yeah. he shouldn't do. But um, it's Satan. It's right. Satan who tempts us to sin. It is Satan who puts ideas in our minds and leads us to tempts tempts us to do things we shouldn't do and and he's the enemy sometimes in our most vicious arguments carlotta will look at me and say you are not my enemy satan is the enemy and then we both end up bursting out laughing (laughs) (laughs) because we realize that neither one of us is the enemy satan really is the enemy Mm -hmm. He's the one trying to divide us and to create division between us when God's goal for us is unity and oneness. And when you have that mindset, that helps you to, instead of being two people who are competing and combating against one another, it's two people who are combating against the same enemy. That's exactly right. And it suddenly puts you on the same team, uh, Mm. fighting together, learning to pull together under the yoke instead of uh, fighting one another and going after one another and then not being able to accomplish in your marriage and through your marriage what God has called you to do in the aspects of your ministry because you're so busy just fighting one another. That's right. And that leads us to another idea, and that is being able to resolve conflict. Mm -hmm. Let me tell a story about that. I had had a patient in the office some years ago who uh, I was talking to him, and I asked about his wife, and he said, well, Doc, you know, we're not together again anymore. And I said, "Well, well, what happened? And he looked at me, and he just said, well... Doc, we just drifted apart. And I said, what, what do you mean you just drifted apart? And he had no explanation. And I, I pondered that for a long time. I said, And I kept asking myself, how, how do people just drift apart? What, what happens in a marriage? And I, I realized that probably, and, and I don't know this for certain, but probably in their marriage, they had a great deal of unresolved conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you see, every unresolved conflict is a brick that's laid in a wall of separation. Mm -hmm. And in lots of marriages, there are so many bricks laid in that wall that the wall becomes so tall that people can no longer communicate. They can no longer even see each other over that wall. And the wall is made up of individual bricks, and each brick is an unresolved conflict. Now, how do we resolve conflict? It's always the same. It's, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? And the other partner saying, yes, 
I will forgive you, and then extending grace to that person. And those bricks have to be removed from that wall, one brick at a time, one conflict, one issue at a time. The secret is not to let the wall get so tall, and that's where people make the mistake. They don't deal with those bricks one at a time. They let the wall get too high. That's right. That's why the Bible says that we shouldn't allow the sun to go down in our anger. Families, husbands and wives should resolve every issue before they even go to sleep at night. They shouldn't let things linger to the next day. Every conflict, every issue should be resolved on a daily basis. Or otherwise, they end up with a brick laid in that wall. And if you have enough bricks laid in the wall, then you end up with a marriage where the partners say, well, we just drifted apart. It's an art. It's it's an art that Christians have to master if they want to have longevity in their marriages. Robert, I know that about a year ago you said something about the key to longevity was being able to do one of two things, being willing to forgive or being willing to change. Why don't you speak to that a little bit? Well, you know, I went to divorce court with one of my patients one time to be uh, a support, an emotional support. And the magistrate in the family court looked at them and asked them, was there anything that he could do to help them salvage their marriage? And the both of them were very stubborn, very proud, and they both crossed their arms and they shook their heads and said no. And in that moment, I realized that neither one of them was willing to forgive Mm -hmm. and neither one of them was willing to change. And I just had a flash of insight, and I realized that when people go to divorce court, it's ultimately because of those two things, an unwillingness to forgive and and an unwillingness to change. You see, there, there are things in our marriages that aggravate and irritate the other spouse. There's things about me that aggravate Miss Carlotta. There's things about her that irritate me. And over time, I, I understand what those things are. And if I'm willing to change those things, then it oils and lubricates the marriage so we don't rub up against each other and, and constantly irritate one another. We can change our behavior, but we can also change expectations of the other person's behavior. That's right. We change. We, we, we just modify ourselves so that we fit together, you know, a long time ago, I saw in the Rocky movie, one of the first Rocky movies, uh, Rocky's brother-in-law, Paulie, asked him, he says, what do you see in my sister? What is it about her? And Rocky puts his knuckles together and they kind of interlock. And he says, that great theologian, Rocky Balboa, <laughs> he says, well, she just has gaps and I have gaps. And together we just fill up all the gaps. And you see, husbands and wives, over time, they, they rub off all the rough edges and the, and the rough spots, and they just get to where they fit together so smoothly. And they rub, they rub away all the irritations and the aggravations, but it's only because they are willing to change. But it's also because they're willing to forgive. And you see, there's lots of things in a marriage where people offend one another. And they aggravate one another. 
And if they're not willing to forgive and extend grace, then they put those bricks in that wall of separation and they get to where they can't talk to each other. They can't look each other in the eye. They can't uh, communicate with one another. And it, it becomes a, a, a deal breaker in their marriage. And it's a, you know, we say in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our transgressions even as we forgive those who transgress against us. Are we really serious when we say that? Do we want God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive our spouse? I don't think so for most people because they're not that forgiving towards their spouse. And that's why so many end up in divorce court. I always tell myself, if Jesus can forgive me, then I can certainly forgive Robert. And I love the phrase, and I, I think I've, I may have made it up myself. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying this a lot lately. There's enough grace to go around. That's right. There's enough grace to go around. If, 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 Jesus can forgive, if Jesus can forgive me, I can certainly forgive Miss Carlotta. I can forgive my children. I can forgive other people because he forgave us. That's exactly right. right. Well, before we close this conversation, I do feel like we have to do, we do have to put out the caveat, though, that when we're talking about divorce and and um, doing all that you can to stay together and to not divorce a spouse, you do have to address the issue of abuse and uh, physical abuse. And because there are women who misunderstand, uh, men and women who misunderstand the fact that, you know, when we're saying to stick with a spouse throughout anything and everything, um, there is situations with physical abuse where you need to get the law involved, you need to get the elders in your church involved, um, and you need to get out of a situation where your, your physical health is in danger, and even possibly your mental and emotional health um, in cases where you need to go to somebody who's an authority over your husband, such as a pastor, and um, and try to encourage him towards repentance, or her, uh, encourage your spouse towards repentance, um, so that you can go, both get on a road to uh, working again together in your marriage. We've been involved in lots of situations like this, and we don't believe that a husband or a wife have to live in abusive situation but the goal is always restoration the goal is always restoration and helping them to work it out if at all possible to restoring the marriage god can uh, redeem an abusive man and god exactly can right. redeem a caustic bitter woman that's right um he can do that it's not an impossibility but safety first <laughs> that's, right. that's uh, right get in a safe location and, that's what uh, we and think. then you can try to resolve these issues and get the authorities the appropriate authorities involved get help. to help so mom and dad what a fantastic discussion I'm, i always enjoy talking about marriage with you two because you're such a wealth of of knowledge on this issue specifically and we didn't cry once uh i was really proud of us i thought we might get a little teary at different points but we didn't but thank you all for sharing with us and i'm looking forward to the next time by the way if you guys don't follow us on facebook and instagram you should do that and remember that we're always available for speaking marriage conferences parenting conferences and the like and you can reach out to us at jacksonfamilyministry.com at any time to, uh, to speak to us about a date if we can help you in any way for an event. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week.